I invite you to be seated. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, if you can't fly, then run. And if you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. You have to keep moving forward. On May 21st, 2022, Tom Tursich from New Jersey became the 10th person, the 10th person to ever walk completely around the world. It took him seven years to complete the task, most of it with his dog, Savannah. And Savannah became the first dog to walk around the world. It was a seven-year, 29,826-mile journey. Now, almost as impressive to me is that he spent nine years planning and preparing. How many of you would have said, okay, after two years maybe, okay, I'm just going to not do this. But he spent nine years planning, preparing, saving the money, raising funds to accomplish the task. And he endured incredible trials, terrible weather. He became seriously ill with a bacterial infection when he was in the UK. And he had to then endure the pandemic and the challenge of getting in and out of various countries. But he made it. He endured to the end. Endurance is not only an attribute that is reserved for distance walkers and runners and other athletes. Endurance is absolutely needed in the life of the Christian faith. In our text this morning that I'll read in just a minute, the writer of Hebrews paints a powerful picture of the life of faith being like that of an endurance athlete engaged in a race. The image given of faith is actually in this text one of struggle and training and endurance. I find it interesting, the actual Greek word used for race, if you've ever been a distance runner, you'll relate to this, is the word agona, which, from which we get our word agony. She looks like she's in agony as she's running that race. Imagine that for a moment. The Christian life imaged as a picture of agony. Well, we know that's not the complete picture. We know that there are times in the faith that are absolutely just filled with joy, filled with victories, filled with this incredible peace. But we also know that there are times in the life of faith that feel like agony. There are times when the ability to endure is tested. And it can be at times sheer agony when the temptation begins to do battle, when temptation begins to do battle with the desire to be faithful. I mean, think about it for a moment. In just everyday life, how hard it can be at times to turn to God in trusting faith rather than taking matters into our own hands and trying to act under our own power. So like keeping the faith when others disappoint and hurt you. Or keeping the faith when you make a transition to a new job or a new town or to a new school when everything else is unfamiliar. Keeping the faith in times of uncertainty. Keeping the faith in times of failure. Keeping the faith when someone you admire and you know lets you down. How do we endure? How do we keep the faith? Even more importantly, can we train like endurance athletes, to endure in the life 
of faith? Can we actually train for it? Well, we wouldn't train for it like a distance runner, literally. But there are some similar steps that we can take. So if you brought your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Turn or launch them there. The text will also be on the screen behind me. It reads like this, just three verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I want us to notice three really important training tips as we consider running the life of faith with endurance. And the first one is this. You need cheerleaders. You need your own cheering section here. Cheering sections are crucial for athletes. They can make the difference between a marathon runner quitting and staying in. In college football, they're often called the 12th person on a college football team because it's the crowd in a sold-out stadium or the sixth person on a basketball team. This person can be like the devoted fan who comes to watch you in a musical concert or a dance. Somebody who is cheering for you helps to encourage you. It can be your family praying for you as you navigate a difficult time at work or school. We all like to hear words of encouragement. The word encourage literally means to give heart or to to take heart. We all need it. Well, the writer of Hebrews says, here in the life of faith, we need it for faith too. And the writer of Hebrews says there's this incredible holy cheering section that cheers for us. In chapter 11, uh, the chapter previous to this, it begins like this, Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. And this, this line here, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then the, the writer of Hebrew goes on and just gives, if you will, a roll call of faith. You know, by faith, we understand that the world is formed at God's command, even though we didn't see it. By faith, Abel offered a better offering than Cain. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life and didn't experience death. By faith, Noah built the ark when there was not a cloud in the sky. By faith, Abram left everything that he knew, everything that was secure that he knew, and went to a place that God would show him. Now, what was it about these ancients? Was it that they were perfect in the faith? No is that they were willing to follow God in an unknown future. And even though some of them struggled and stumbled at times, they would get back up and get on the path and get on the journey of faith and return to a place of trusting God. And so in chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews says, this is the type of cheering section we need to endure in the faith. We need the example of those who have gone before us. We need their example to dig in and to have a steadfast faith. We need their witness. 
you know, one thing that, that strikes me, and it's not, it, it's just part of the time in which we live. When through various ways of communicating and uh, connecting with others, um, our, our world has, has gotten very flat. And that's not a bad thing, right? But sometimes with, with one development that's really good in, in one area, um, it, does, it leaves us short in another area. And one of the ways that, that in our time that we've left short is we have forgotten what it means to honor ancients, so to speak, who've gone before us. We're so consumed with the present and this future that's changing rapidly, we forget about some of the commendable, some of the extraordinary examples from our past, the ancients who have gone before us. And I've said this to, to, I say this to every uh, couple that I counsel in premarital counseling, I say this to all young families, be careful, be careful, right, that you don't engage in prodigy worship, in other words, the, the worship of children, right? There are some cultures that engage in ancient worship. That's not good. But be careful also that you don't worship your children and that there's a place for your children to make sure they honor their parents and honor their grandparents and great-grandparents if they're alive. But really critical is that we hold up and we honor those amazing examples of faith. And one of the things that concerns me in the life of the church today across North America and beyond is that one of the, one of the worst gifts my generation gave to the church, worst gift is probably not the way to say that, is a very hyper-focus on generational reach. Generational worship, generational this, generational that solo focused on one generation, and you forget about ancients in the faith who have gone before. Now, I know if you're senior, you probably don't like me using the word ancient. I turned 60 a few weeks ago. I get to do it now. And right here, the writer of Hebrews is saying, we got to have it. We have to have these people who have gone in the life of faith and they've endured and they've they've stayed faithful even when they've messed up they got back up and they stayed faithful they've endured and we need them as models and we need them as examples i've shared with you guys before uh, one of my my mentors he, he he died last year we just had his memorial service uh, a couple weeks ago his name is bob dell incredible humble wise man Another one of my, my mentors, uh, Leith Anderson, incredible, wise, humble man. Another one, though, I've not mentioned is a lady named Catherine Bullard. Catherine uh, was 93 when she died just a few weeks ago. Uh, my wife, Jody, is on the way to her uh, memorial service in Richmond right now. And Catherine was the, uh, at one time the leader of... Uh, an organization of, of women doing missionary work here in Virginia. And Catherine was in my last church, and she was this just amazing woman. Whenever you'd be tempted to kind of wobble and wonder if the church could do something, well, I'm not sure we can raise this much money, or I'm not sure we can do this, or I'm not sure we can do that. And she would always look at me and say, 
We can't, but the Lord can. And you know, I needed her example. I needed her witness. And so let me ask you a question before we move on to the next thing we need. You need a holy cheering section. A cheering section of the faithful who are, who are not necessarily peers, but who are people who have gone before. Who are they in your life? And let me say, if, if you don't have them, one of the commitments of our church to you is to provide those for you and to at least encourage those connections. But who are those faithful? ancients who set the pattern out who set the model who set the example now like me a couple of mine have gone on to be with the lord but i remember i remember their voice i remember their quotes i quoted uh leith and bob so much that i had a staff member that worked for me uh worked for the church at one time said i feel like i'm a grandson of them because you quote them so much So let me encourage you to make the list. Who is your holy cheering section? Race essential number two. You need the right gear. The writer goes on to say, since we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So let me just take these phrases separately for a second. Let us throw off everything that hinders. So the athlete knows that he or she cannot approach a race with excess weight. Tom Tursich wouldn't have thought about walking around the earth, right, with 100 pounds of weight on his back. Distance walkers or runners try to accomplish their task with as little weight as possible. They want the right running clothes and all this kind of stuff. What's interesting, though, is ancient athletes would often train with weights so they could be stronger. Perhaps you've seen runners today with with ankle weights on or a backpack. But when the time for the race comes, they set it aside. They, They take it off. Well, in the Christian life, we have things that hinder. We have things that need to be thrown off if we're going to endure in the faith. Some of you in here today may have ankle weights of anxiety or unresolved conflict in relationships or doubts or fears. And these are hindering your race of faith. Let me encourage you today, take them off. Put them at the feet of Jesus. Allow him to free you from these hindrances to the faith. And then the writer says, the sin that so easily entangles. The ancient athlete would come into the Colosseum in a long flowing robe. The purpose was to wear the robe right up until the time of the race to stay warm, and then they would take it off and run the race. An athlete wouldn't run the race in a robe. It would wind around the feet. It would entangle the runner, and then the runner would fall. Sin entangles us. It keeps us from running the strong race of faith. Now, what I find interesting is the writer uses the word sin in the singular. What is it? What is this sin in the singular? 
Well, it would be easy for us to do a survey, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but it would be easy to say, okay, pick out one of the seven deadly sins that you struggle with the most, and that's the sin you are to throw off. And it'd be easy to say, okay, I need to make sure that one doesn't trip me up. But one writer I read this past week said that more than likely, keeping in the context here, the sin the writer of Hebrews is referring to is the sin of faithlessness. Just as the ancients were commended for having faith, we don't want to be tripped up in the endurance race by the sin of faithfulness. The Christian life begins with faith, and it takes faith every day. But let's get real. I mean, living by faith can be hard. We want to live by sight. We want to trust what we can do rather than following God and seeing all that God will do if we step out in faith. And when we insist on living by sight, we're entangled. Another way to translate that word entangle is bind. We are bound up by faithlessness. So, we need appropriate running gear. Clothed in righteousness, trust, faith, and obedience. Race essential number three. The last one. Run with the right strategy. So anybody in here uh, running in the Marine Corps Marathon? Okay, I see we have the uh, cheering section here for the Marine Corps Marathon. This is good. That's good. It's okay. Uh, I know there are a few people in our congregation who are actually doing it, but um, uh, they're out training right now instead of at church. So, hey, cheer them back in here when you see it. I'm kidding. You don't run without some kind of strategy, typically. So we've recruited our holy cheering section. We've committed to throwing off the baggage and the sin that weighs us down and gets entangled. Now there's specifics of the race. And notice he says, run with endurance. The way the original language structured here reads more like, with endurance, with endurance, run the race marked out for you. With endurance. So in other words, what the writer here is saying is, think in advance, this is a long run. Begin with the end in mind. Think this is not a a sprint. If, If we were to run today in a sprint, we would run in a different way than if we were running in a marathon. We would just simply run differently. And if we ran in a sprint, for example, and not with endurance, we may run for a bit, then stop, then run for a bit, then stop, run for a bit, then stop. That's running without endurance. That's sprinting, right? Well, sometimes people approach faith the same way. It's, hey, I'm going to do the life of faith for a little bit, then I'm going to stop. Then I'm going to do the life of faith for a little bit, then I'm going to stop. Life of faith for a little bit, then I'm going to stop. Sooner or later, you just stay stopped, right? So you start by saying, okay, I'm going to run with endurance. Faith is the journey, the rest of my way. Second, run the race marked out for you. Jesus has marked this race out. He has given us in his word all we need to know about living faithfully. And if, you, if you've never really considered the words of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus about the life of faith, start with Matthew 5 through 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever. You can, you can just feast on that for months and months and months and months. 
about what the life of faith looks like. But we've been given what the race looks like in the teachings of Jesus. When we lived in Richmond, um, we lived right across from a high school, and there was a field in between, uh, woods and, and a field and all that, and uh, I would walk on those trails, walk our dog on the trails and everything, and I noticed when I was walking, there was paint on the trees. And I finally learned that the paint on some of the trees, it was where the cross-country team practiced for the high school, and they would put paint on the trees so that the runners would know the layout of the race and which way to go and which way to turn and all that kind of good stuff. You don't want to run a race that someone else has marked out for you and not Jesus, right? Because I'll be honest with you, just sometimes boring walking a dog and just thinking, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if I put different paint on different trees? Just, I didn't do it. I never did it, I promise. But I thought about it. I, mean, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, the Lord stopped me. Um, you, you don't want to run a race that the Lord has, a race of faith that the Lord has not marked out for you. That's why, again, knowing the teachings of Jesus is critical to dig deep and to learn about the life of Christ. Then lastly, run with Christ in view. The writer says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher or perfecter of your faith. The pioneer or author means he's the reason. He's the very reason for faith. He's the center of our faith. And one writer said, we get the impression here that what the writer of Hebrews is simply trying to say is he's the beginning, he's the present, and he's the future. He's everything. He's the alpha and the omega. He's everything about our faith. In 1983, in Sydney, Australia, they decided to hold an ultra marathon, 573.7 miles from Sydney to Melbourne. Can you imagine that? And it's a foot race. It's quite a, a feat of endurance, if you'll pardon the pun. Well, just before the race started, a 61-year-old shepherd named Cliff Young walked up to the registration wearing overalls and wearing galoshes over his boots. And he said, I want to enter the race. They thought he was kidding. He looked flat out just out of place next to all the elite runners running the ultra marathon with all their team members and all their gear and everything. But he insisted that he was there to run the race. And so they let him sign up. And the gun went off and he started going. And he just started shuffling along. And people even, you know, they... Sort of, you know, who is this guy, you know, get him out of the race and all this kind of stuff. He just started shuffling along. Five days, 14 hours, and four minutes later, at 1.25 in the morning, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line before anyone else. He won the race. And he just didn't win by a razor-thin margin. The person in second place was, get this, nine hours and 56 minutes behind. Nine hours and 56 minutes behind. He set a world record at the time for an ultra marathon. How did he do it? Well, it seems that he didn't realize that the standard practice in an ultra marathon was to run for 18 hours and then sleep for six. And then run for 18 hours and to sleep for six until they finish. He didn't do this. 
He just, and they call it the Cliff Young Shuffle. Now, he just shuffled along the whole time without going to sleep. And he flat out won the race. He shuffled his way, one foot in front of the other, to victory. That's running with endurance. You can see a lot of people sprint. You can see a lot of people do a lot of things. But that's probably one of the best pictures of the Christian faith is simply one foot in front of the other, running with endurance. Not giving up, keeping our eyes, not asleep, but focused on Jesus. The prize is the presence and the pleasure of Jesus. When we walk by faith, when we endure in the faith, He is our prize, not just for the other side of eternity, but here today. So how are you feeling about your endurance and faith? Do you have a cheerleading section? If not, let me encourage you to recruit one. Throw off any hindrance, any sin that would entangle, and run the race that Christ has marked out for you. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for being our Lord, being our Savior, being our friend, and Lord, walking with us in the life of faith. God, we know that we could not endure on our own. We know that we need you, that we need your grace to come and strengthen us, to give us, Lord, the examples. Lord, we know that those ancients who have lived the life of faith, that they are a means of your grace. Lord, we know that the ability to withstand temptation, to throw off the hindrances and sin that so easily entangles, it is by your grace. Lord, we know that the ability to run the race marked out for us through your word, through your teachings, through your spirit, is by your grace. And so, Lord, give us the grace we need to endure, to remain faithful in this journey of life, this journey of faith to which you have called us. We thank you, God, in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me invite you to stand. We're going to sing... Uh, a closing song. Um, Michelle and Charlie are going to lead us uh, one more time. Let's stand and sing together.